Do you remember the day you began to see? It was the day you heard. God gave you the ability to hear something that brought faith to your heart. And I want to share what you heard today in a nutshell. It's called the good news. Can I tell it to you again? I feel like someone here is going to hear it. And faith is going to dawn in your heart. Twenty centuries ago, before you were born, before your forefathers knew you would be born, before you ever committed a sin, God sent his son to live a perfect life in an imperfect world, to be the perfect Adam, the last Adam, and to face and confront sin in the world and false religion in the world. And as you know, the world in which we live will not put up with that. And he was killed and God allowed his son to be killed so that as he lived a perfect life, he became the perfect sacrifice and remedy for all sin. All the injustice that has ever been committed in the earth demands justice to be paid and Jesus paid it so that if you and I will put our faith in him and call upon his name his place becomes our place and our place becomes his place and a great exchange happens your life becomes his and his life becomes yours and a miracle takes place your sins are forgiven you've been given the gift of eternal life if you find yourself beginning to believe that old story That saving faith beginning to dawn in your heart. Step out of the boat of unbelief onto the waters of faith and say, I'm going to believe what I find myself beginning to believe. And just call on his name like this. Let's do it. Jesus, save me. I call on your name. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you live for me. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you have arisen from the dead for me. Come into my life. Make me your child. Here I am, just as I am. Needing you. Jesus. It's just that simple. You begin to call on his name and you find yourself wanting to sing. Amazing grace. This man hitchhiked as a young man from Cape Town to Cairo. Colin Millar. Thank you, precious brothers. I I just want to greet you and then pray over you. And I want to greet you out of Isaiah 54. It's actually talking about the fertility of having children. But I'm believing this is all about spiritual children. Okay? So I'm going to pray the Word of God over you as a prophetic declaration that tens of thousands of spiritual children will come forth in a continuing exponential explosion of the kingdom. Shout for joy, O barren one, you who have borne no child. And Lord, if there are people in this house who've never led someone to you, theirs is really a celebration. Break forth into joyful shouting, precious ones, 
and cry aloud, as our worship pastor said, Hallelujah! All of us together, Hallelujah! And cry aloud, you who have not travailed. Lord, pour out a spirit of travailing prayer upon us, through us, that the lost will be saved, that the bound will be set free. Enlarge the place of everyone's tents. Stretch out your curtain rods and your dwelling places. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your pegs. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. And your descendants, precious ones, will possess nations. And will resettle the desolate cities. So, Father, we give you praise today. As our brother comes from Haiti to share your word, may your Holy Spirit speak to every one of our hearts. Oh Lord, as John Piper said, the transformed life is one that loves to do what we ought to do. So Father, may we become today a people of unceasing prayer. Because that's what we ought to be, Lord. Father, we praise you. We thank you for Alan and Yvette Lada. We thank you for Generations Church. And may multiple generations of new believers be brought forth through this congregation. In the victorious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said together, Amen. Amen. It's now my honor and privilege to present to you a native of Granbury. Missionary with Youth with a Mission, along with his wife, who's a native of Norway, reaching the nation of Haiti for Jesus. Terry Snow. I am excited because God, I believe, is wanting to do business. This is why I brought my toolbox. I wanted to bring my toolbox to project an image of God is wanting to work on us that we may know him. You know, in the presence of knowing Him, everything is answered. Where you're to go in this world, whether you're to stay here in Granbury, it's all answered. Yes, I'm going to hit you up about missions, but I'm more going to hit you up about God. Because in the center of God, you'll be in the right place. God will direct you. God will direct you. Now, I'm supposed to share probably some wonderful stories. So let me go ahead and share that real quick. We have 100 families that are now in permanent homes that were victims of the earthquake. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. We have a village that was 250 families that are now 350 families. We have a school that will be finished at the end of this month that will educate up to 400 kids. This school will be taking the place of a 10-roof, 10-wall school with a mud floor. And it will have a concrete floor, proper facilities, and everything they need to train and teach and educate 400 kids in the new coming generation. Amen. 
And this is all happening in a little village called Timonet right now. And this news is spreading throughout everywhere in St. Mark. The other good news is, for some of you who may have heard me speak in the past, our drunken mayor has left the building. Hallelujah. Just before I left, the day before I left Haiti, they inaugurated a new mayor. And then they called me in, from Haiti saying the mayor is here at the office Monday morning on his very first day at work saying, how can we support Youth of the Mission? I have to begin my time right here. So that is great encouragement. So glory to God for all that. If you want to turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I believe that God wants to transform us. Amen. I believe that God wants to work on individuals' lives here. I believe that God wants to go into your secret place and tap on your heart. Some of you, I feel like God has said he has been trying to talk to you, but you haven't heard him and you've been crying and saying, God, I want to hear you. I believe that God wants to do that. God is for us. He's not against us. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. The world tries to tell us everything that we are not because God has a plan for our life. He tries, the world tries to put us into things, and we often will agree with the world. Let me give you a quick example. When I first went to Youth of the Mission, I had just finished my training as an automotive technician from Lincoln Technical Institute. I graduated with honors. I think Dad is sitting in the back there somewhere, isn't he? Yeah, there you are for sending me through that school. So when I went to Youth of the Mission, they said, what kind of job activity would you like to be a part of while you're here going through your training? And of course, I'm a mechanic. I put mechanic. They had a big bus barn. They had all these vehicles. Half of them were broke. I said, here, this is my call. The world has told me I'm a mechanic. I have a paper saying I am a mechanic. So therefore, I am a mechanic. And I put there, mechanic. I've been trained. I graduated with honors and all this stuff. And they put me in as breakfast prep. <laughs> and then when I went to my second phase of training, they asked me again, mechanic. Okay, you didn't know who I was. Now you know who I was. I told everybody. I mean, they had people in the mechanic bar and they asked. I heard them say this. How do you take a spark plug out of a lawnmower? And they have made, making eggs. And so I explained to them, you know, do you understand my get? Oh, yes, yes. So in my second training, what did I get to do? Night watchman. <laughs> See, I had an idea of what I was supposed to be, but God had an idea of what I was supposed to be too, and it didn't match. Whoa. Whoa. It didn't match. Some of you, the world has been telling you you are something. But I'm here to tell you that God's going to tap on your heart and say you're something more. There you go, brother. I was just at a chiropractor. Anybody ever gone to a chiropractor? All the old people raised their hand. 
<laughs> I'm joking. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I, I went too. So. No, I went to this chiropractor. Just I had some situation. Anyway, and while I was there, he laid me on this thing. And I, he said, have you been feeling any pain? I said, yeah, actually, my ankle. My ankle. He said, your ankle. And I said, yeah, I know you're a chiropractor. That has nothing to do with you going to pop my ankle. I mean, it feels like it's sprained, though, but I didn't spring it. I didn't twist it. I didn't do nothing. He said, well, that's strange. And he looked at it. He goes, look, it looks swollen. I said, sure does. I didn't realize that. He said, well, let's finish this thing. And he laid me on my side, and he took this gun. And if you've never been there, don't worry. It's not like a real gun. It's just a little thumper gun. And, and that he put it to my head. See, God. <laughs> Once more, gun to my head. <laughs> and he, it just thumped me just like that. And he said, now your whole back is aligned. And I'm like, excuse me? You know? That's all it did. And it, it lined up everything like a domino thing. And then he turned me over, and he said, here, now I'm going to pop you in your lower back. And I'm like, do nothing, you know. And then all of a sudden I stood up, and my pain in my ankle was gone. And I said, you're a miracle. You're a miracle worker. God just either used you to heal me or something, because my ankle doesn't hurt anymore. And he explained to me how my nerves were all tied up here, and he relieved the pressure, took the pain off of what was going on down there, and immediately... It just went away. Swelling even immediately started going down while I was in the office. It was incredible. That's what God wants to do to us. He could just come into us. Don't worry, people, if you're afraid about shaking and all this stuff you might have seen before. You know, God can just come in and just go thump to your heart, and boom, everything's realigned, and you're like, what in the world happened? I remember one time I went to a place and I was there being, you know, praying and stuff, and I had a problem with my hip. It hurt. I, I ran into this big hip woman when I was playing volleyball, and we collided midair, hip to hip. And my hip had been hurting for over a week. And this evangelist said, God says there's somebody here has pain in your hip, and he wants to heal you. And I said, okay, that's me. So I went. Actually, I didn't think it was me because it's like, you know, it's not that big a deal. And finally, he kept going. And finally, I went up there. I said, I think that's me. And so he prayed. So he just prayed. He set me down. And he raised my legs. I said, that doesn't have nothing to do with my hip right here. But he did this thing. He prayed over me. And I got up. He says, you're healed. And he walked away. And, of course, you know, you're at, all these people are looking at you. So what do you do? You're, going, you're not going to say. It's like when you get an offer. You don't want to look at the check. But you're dying to look. You're trying to. You know, you want to see if it hurts, so you're moving around. <laughs> you don't want to doubt your faith, you know. But so I got out the car. I, I, it was almost over, so I, I said, well, i got to go. I went out to the car, and I'm sitting here. I almost bruised the thing again trying to find the pain because I didn't feel anything. I didn't shake. I didn't quiver. I didn't jerk. It was just, boom, it's done. That's it. It's over. God wants to do that kind of adjustment. Do you ever bring in a little secular here? Y'all are okay. Do you ever, anybody here ever see a new movie? Well, it's not so new. Maybe it is for us in Haiti, but here it's called Inception. Everybody, it's so funny when they come out with new movies like this. They always that's of the devil. 
You know, and then all of a sudden they start realizing biblical principles in them. But this one has a biblical principle, I think. It's the one where this guy, these people take a guy into a dream state, whatever, but they get to the secret place of his heart. And the whole idea is they want to change the way this guy is thinking. Not just in one decision, but in many decisions. And they get to this secret place of his heart. And once they get him there, they let him see something he never thought about. And it changed his whole outlook in life. And I'm not going to spoil the movie, but that's kind of basically what it is. You know, that's exactly what Jesus does for us. He gets into our hearts in a place that we didn't even know where it was. And what we thought about ourselves is transformed in a moment because of what he puts in it. And in this particular story, they put a little thing that, his, that caused him to realize his father really did love him for who he was. God loves you. He created you. Do you know what he thinks of you? Well, before I, I, I go on, I really feel like I need to plow the ground a little bit. So I'm going to tell you things to just mess you up. Because when we mess you up, then you start thinking outside the box. See, we've been so conformed in our thinking that when, you know, we're just like, we're so rigid, we're stiff. Sometimes we don't even realize it. I get that way too, and I'm a missionary, you know. So we all get this way. So let me remind you of some stories. Let's talk about Abraham and Isaac. Y'all remember that story? Abraham, you know, takes Isaac up on the mountain to sacrifice him. What kind of God is that? Boy, talking about breaking outside the box. Abraham was sent by God to do a sacrifice. To lay down his son, Isaac. Now, one thing I wonder, we see a lot of these young people, you know, what kind of mental problems did Isaac have after that? (laughs) You know, we always talk about Abraham, but what about Isaac, you know? (laughs) I mean, what would you say if your father took a fiction to tie you up, put you on an altar, ready to stab you, burn you, and bleed you out? Some of you kids think you have problems? Now we say yes, but we know that God didn't allow it. Did Abraham know that God wasn't going to allow it? But he did it. Yeah, he was hoping. That's the mother instinct. He was hoping, God, do something, do something. No. God is very sovereign, and the things he does sometimes is out of the box. What about in Hosea? Go marry a prostitute. Marry a prostitute. That messes you up. Even the young people knew better than that. They were, what? What do you do with God saying that? Some of you are like, we are so rigid that God can't even tell you something because you're afraid he might tell you something that doesn't fit. Yet the Bible's full of stories 
where God did things out of the box. You know why? Because he's a living God. He is not a system. He's not ABC and this is what you mean, you know? I mean, it's not like that. What about Matthew? We're talking Old Testament. What about Matthew? Woman comes up. Will you please help me, help me, help me, help me? Should I feed the dogs? That's what it says. Yeah, Matthew. You want to read it? Matthew chapter 15, verse 22. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. Ever felt like God never talked to you? Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciple came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. So then on top of that, the disciples said, well, We're glad, Jesus, you finally saw the light. Now get rid of this lady. She's in our way. She's messing with us now. Jesus, lady, get out of here. Can't you see? I wonder how often the church does that to me. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, okay, listen to what she went through. She, she got the silent treatment. Then the disciples said, get out of here. And then she goes and falls down on her knees, making a humiliated spectacle of herself. And then what does Jesus do? He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. <laughs> I just blew somebody's image of Jesus, didn't I? You thought Jesus was... <laughs> From all those boobies, you know, white robe. <laughs> Why didn't they share that story in that movie? Should I take the bread of the children and toss it to the dogs? Mm -mm. What if it stopped right there? Oh, my goodness. We would have really been messed up, wouldn't we? But it didn't stop because the lady didn't stop. And then it goes on. Yes, it is, Lord. She said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. What perseverance. Total humiliation. The guy who has the answer is telling you're a dog and she still keeps going. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Wow. But listen, people. Some of you need to hear that. Jesus called her a dog. I'm trying to make you think different. I'm trying to make you dare to say, God, do you have something new you want to say to me? Let's don't get stuck in our religiosity. Let's don't get stuck in, in this, uh, well, there's Alan, there's Yvette, there's all these missionaries here, but then there's me. Why? I thought we were one body. Weren't we one body, Alan? Is, is this the only guy who's supposed to win somebody to Christ? Is this the only guy who raised the dead? What are you going to do with those Haitian young people who knew nothing of the Bible, didn't even know who Noah was, 
And he, they came to our mission, and we gave them two weeks of training just talking about who God is and what he can do. And then they go into a house of a, a wife of a voodoo priest, and, and she's dead, and they pray for her, and she rose again. What are you going to do with that one? Didn't have Bible school on that one. How does that fit your mold? Young people, you can move a lot faster than me. What does God have for you? Now I'm going to mess your, your, your thinking up on me as a missionary, maybe. Because God always gets me to do the weird stuff. I don't know why. Maybe because I'm from Granbury, Texas. But I, I was, we have a problem in Haiti, in the government. It's called corruption. And the problem we have is that I don't like it. Corruption is not a problem except for when people don't like it. Think about it. I don't like it. So about every year, at least once, twice a year, I get a shakedown. Y'all know what that is? Not shake. I get, you know, frisk. How can I get more money out of your pockets from the government? And so the tax office, I needed this paper signed. This paper has to be signed every three months, and, and then every time they sign it, they review if you are paying what you're supposed to pay in taxes. Can you imagine? Having to go to an underdeveloped country and pay your pay the government to allow you to help them do their job. <laughs> Welcome to my world. And so here I am, and I need this paper done because I got insurance on a vehicle, and I got a team coming in that weekend. So you see, it's important, and I can't get this insurance without this paper. So all of a sudden, I'm way out in Balale for somebody who's ever been there. I know somebody's been there. Sierra's here somewhere. She's been out there. It's a long ways out. About an hour and a half drive out in the boonies. And I get this call, the director needs to see you. Well, that means he wants to give me a shakedown. I tell him, I say, I've been here for 20 years. Just tell the guy to sign the paper, he can shake me down tomorrow. No, no, he can't sign the paper until he talks to you. I say, okay. If I come now, will he see me? Yes, he will see you if you come right now. If you're here before 4 o'clock, he will see you. So I show up there at 3.30. 45 minutes from Balale, I cut the in a dump truck I was in. Yeah, I was moving. Hallelujah. You know how to pray for me now. <laughs> Evidently been doing a good job. I made it. So anyway, I'm there, and I drive up to the tax office. I go upstairs. The secretary sees me. Oh, you got here really fast. Yeah, I don't want, you know, I came all the way in. I don't want to have a problem. And so she goes into the director, and the director says, no, I'm not going to see him. No, he has to see. She says, wait, wait, let me ask him again. No, I'm not going to see him. And then she, she gets a chair, and she puts it in front of his office and says, sit right here. When he comes out, maybe he'll talk to you. Felt like I was at Granbury High School in the principal's office again. <laughs> see, I was even training their young people. <laughs> There's a reason for everything, young people. And I'm sitting there. And, and the director opens his door about 5 till 4, and he looks at me, and he says, Terry, I told you I'm not going to talk to you today. And I, I, I said, but director, and Granbury taught me to plead well. Director, please understand, 
This is my situation. You know me. Blah, 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 blah. No. I walked out of that office. And you know me. I probably, I'm a bit of an extrovert, so I probably walked down mumbling. God, what in the world am I supposed to do? This is crazy. Why didn't this guy brought me all the way in? I will, what am I supposed to do? You know, and I'm, I'm, I get down to the bottom, and some people around there saw me that know me. Terry, what's wrong? I told him what happened. The director told me to come all the way in. I came all the way in. Now he won't sign my paper. What? Haiti is like a, a gallon of gasoline. And to say something like that is like lighting a match. The director wouldn't do what? They just look for an opportunity to protest against their government. And so immediately they, there was just this, and it was like a... a a, a fire that would sweep across Grand, Granbury Plains, you know, just... And all of a sudden, there's like 200 people there. <laughs> we don't accept this! We don't accept this! All in front of the taxation office. And a mayor shows up, and an old mayor showed up and says, Terry, Terry, he just doesn't understand who you are. And I said, I think he's been in there for four years. He knows who I am. You know, but he says, let me go up and talk to him. So I go up there with him, and we go up. We get up there, and he starts talking to him. And this guy starts yelling at the former mayor, which is not normal. And he's, it was so bad, I stuck my head around the door. Are you really yelling at this mayor this way? You know, I was thinking. And I'm looking over there, and all of a sudden, he sees me. And he got big eyes. He said, Terry, this is not the United States. This is Haiti. Everybody went, ooh. Because to all the Haitians, I am Haitian. I went through 2004. I had a gun put to my head. Lives were saved. We've done all the things we did. The city, that's why 200 people came to my defense at just a moment. They knew who I was, and they were offended at the director. So I walked downstairs. I said, what do I do now, God? What do I do now, God? Now, when I get downstairs, all these people are saying, did he sign it? Did he sign it? I said, no, he didn't sign it. Oh, let's, let's, we'll protest. We'll protest. <laughs> so I said, God, what do I do? And I'll tell you, I was not calm. I was not rational. <laughs> Nobody who's in missions in that situation can be calm and rational or they're just not human. And I said, God, this is not right. What do I do? And I got an idea in my head, so I took it as that was God. I took my dump truck, and I backed it right up into their driveway and blocked everybody inside from leaving. And I said, in the United States, if a mayor or a tax officer called me in for an appointment, he would have the appointment. In Haiti, if the tax officer blocks you, you block him. So I blocked him. Is this your typical missionary? Probably just lost all my sponsorship now. <laughs> but, but while I was there, I just sat there. I called my wife. Honey, I'm going to jail. I did. I called her. And she said, what's going on? I told her what was going on. She says, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm committed. I have my room reserved. I've already made the preparations. I'm going to jail. I'm not leaving here until it's resolved. 
And she's, of course, sent down all the troops. All the YWAM shows up to watch the director of thrown in jail. The police show up because there's like 300 people now all out in front ready to hang the tax officer. The tax officer tries to dr- walk out, not drive out. He just tries to walk out thinking that will defuse it. Everybody, I'm just standing over the sidelines. And everybody blocks him. No, no, no. You ain't going to leave until you sign the paper for Terry. You ain't going to. And they pushed him all the way back in his office. <laughs> and so then I sat there, and then the police showed up. Well, I got trained in that too right here in Granbury. I put my hands up on my car. I said, I'm not going. I hid my keys from my dump truck. I'm not going nowhere. And the police, you know, my, my, my wife is right here. Wave, hon. She makes some incredible homemade bread. And you know what I do with that bread? I take it and give it to the police. And you know, when the police see me, all they think of is, ooh, that homemade bread. And, and they show up there and say, Terry, we aren't going to arrest you. We aren't going to arrest you. And they walk in to talk to the director. And the director's sitting there screaming at him how they need to get me out of the way. They just listen to him. They turn around and they just walk away from him and go back outside and stand, which means we aren't going to defend you on this one. You better figure your own way out. The U.N. show up. Now, they're the problem, people, <laughs> because they can't be bought. They just do whatever they're told. But the thing was is they couldn't figure out what the problem was because the first time they showed up, they weren't trying to rescue the white guy. They were trying to rescue the, the director from the white guy. So when they first showed up, they thought they were there to help me. And I said, just get out of here. This is none of your business. And they're like, what? They couldn't figure out where to go. Well, in the end, the director signed the paper. The U.N. did an official report of the corruption charge. And the director left about two months later. Now, I say that just to try to mess you up with what you think a missionary should be. Maybe you thought I was to be doing evangelistic meetings. I do that too. But if you only have words and you have no action, what are you? The only way you're going to disciple a nation, the only way you're going to disciple your classroom, the only way you're going to disciple anybody is if you have influence in their life. If you have no influence to be able to stand against something like the government of Haiti, then why do I need to listen to you? Because those people are ultimately going to do what they want with me. You ever think about that? Just trying to get you to think outside of the box. I like what E.M. Bounds says. I say this almost everywhere, so I'm sure I've said it here before. E.M. Bounds in his book, Power and Prayer. That's a good book, wasn't it, brother? <laughs> Everybody, I know when somebody's read that book because they always say, amen, that was a good book. But he wrote in there, he said, man is looking for better methods, but God is looking for better men. Men or women, mighty in prayer. Now, I just told you action. But action doesn't come without something inside. 
I got a toolbox here. I didn't just bring it for you to look at it. I wanted to show you something. Look at this. Everybody see it? I wonder if this wrench had a brain, what he would be thinking about who created him. <laughs> you know, I'm from Granbury, Texas. I don't know why I come up with this stuff. You know, I wonder if this wrench wasn't looking at himself and says, why did my creator make me so crooked? Look at me. Look at me. I'm not even straight. And I can't figure out what I'm supposed to be. I'm 19 here. I'm 17 millimeter error. I can't figure out what I'm supposed to do, which side I'm supposed to go. But the mechanic, any mechanics here? Yeah, a few of you. They know the power of this wrench. And it was fashioned a special way. By putting that little crook on it, it gives you strength. So the so it won't slip off the bolt. Two sides is really quick. When you're doing this one, then you flop over and do this one. I wonder how often we think how we're messed up. God, why did you give me this? Why do I have this issue? And what we think is a mess up is actually what the master sees is one of our greatest strengths. You know, look at this. I got a whole toolbox here, folks. This is called pliers. Now, these things can be extreme blessing, and they can also, to be honest with you, extreme pain in the butt. In the sense that, you know, you can adjust them in different places, but then they all, all get cocked and everything. You know, I, I really can compare this a lot to short-term missions. This is what they are. They just can't figure out where they fit. You know, they just go. But at the same time, they can go anywhere. They can, they can, they're so flexible. You can utilize it anywhere. How often have you thought, well, I'm not one particular thing. I can't really figure out. I shift here. I shift there. What am I supposed to do? And what about... The screwdriver. I wonder if the screwdriver ever thought, why did my creator make me so stinking big? Didn't he understand that this is the computer age? How are you supposed to fix a computer with that? Well, the problem is the screwdriver is in the wrong field. You ever think of that? He's looking at what he thinks he's supposed to be fixing. But the Creator made him fix something totally different. How often do we totally miss what God's intention for our life is? Because we're supposed to be this or we're supposed to be that. I was driving down the road in, in Haiti when I got this analogy. And as I was driving down the road, I was just praying. And God gave me the word. God gave me a word. And I said, God, what do you want to say to your church? What do you want to say to us this day? In this generation, what do you want to say to us? And God said one word. Variety. And when he said it, it was like the power of God came into this truck. And I thought I was going to be slain in the spirit driving down the road. 
Because I started going, oh, Lord, Lord, help me, Lord. <laughs> and I started veering off trying to hold. And, and, and I, I thought I was going to black out. God did a thump. Variety. What am I talking about? I believe God is wanting to do a what I call a paradigm shift in the concepts of world missions. There's not one person. There's many people. I believe maybe as I was listening here, 109 people got involved in this international night. Now that's the body of Christ in function. That's people working as a body. It's not the many. It's it's not the one person doing everything. It's the many people doing what they can. A paradigm shift was a term used by Thomas Kuhn in his book, The Structure of Scientific Revolution. It was used to describe a change of basic assumptions within the ruling theory of science. In other words, I believe God wants to change our basic assumptions of what our role is as we take on this next generation and the future. God is not changing our perception of who he is. It's changing. It's like if an elephant walked down through here. The people on this side would say the elephant looked like this. The people on that side would say the elephant looked like that. And it could be the elephant had a red dot on this side and a green dot on this side. And the people on this side would argue with this side, no, the elephant has a green dot. No, it's red. No, it's green. No, it's red. The point is, there's an elephant in our church. <laughs> you know? <laughs> we all have perceptions. And God wants, think about it, God wants every perception to be seen by his whole body. How are we going to see that if you aren't sharing your part? How are we going to understand the depths, the breadth, the richness of God's love for us if you're keeping quiet? We didn't even know it had a gray dot on its rear if you don't say something. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? It takes every single person to share the vast greatness of God. Forget denominations. That's just the one that I would say there's a red. And the other one's looking at the other side saying there's a blue. Who cares? It's an elephant. <laughs> Who cares? Now, God's given us a task. And that task is to go and make disciples of nations. When Adam and Eve were created, did he say, go sit down and twiddle your thumbs? Absolutely not. He's, he, he created a garden. 
And he says, here's your garden. Rule it. Multiply in it. Be fruitful. He gave them a task. And God hadn't stopped giving us tasks. Our task is to share the total perception of all that Jesus is to the whole world, which will require a variety of viewpoints. Not for our benefit, but for the world that they may see Him. Our task is to disciple nations. But the question is that we all have as often is what is our actual role? Ah, this is the important part. Well, we know you're called to Terry. Or you're called to Terry. You're called to Haiti, Terry. You know, we know that. Do you know where you're called? You know, when I went to Haiti, I didn't have any idea what I was going to get into. Man, when I got thrown in prison in 2000, I sat in prison. What have I done? What did I do this for? When I got up from having a gun pointed at my head, thinking I was going to heaven, and Samosa put down the gun and I got up, I said, oh, what was that about? What, what, What am I doing here? When I heard the president was wanting to see me killed, and I didn't know which way to go and what to do, I'm like, why me? When I had to haul a guy that was dying of cholera that died at the hospital when I got him there, I saw all this stuff. And the one thing that God has burned in my heart is Paul's scripture in Philippians. Chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I obtained all this, or have I been made perfect, or I am perfect. But this one thing I do, forgetting, listen, somebody need to hear that right now, forgetting what is behind. Forgetting what is behind. I press on. I press on. To take hold of that for which Jesus Christ, listen, Jesus Christ took hold of me. Did you really think you took hold of Christ? He took hold of you. You would not know, you would not be in this church today if it wasn't Jesus Christ saying, I got you. And here we're thinking, That we did some great feat by coming to Jesus and surrendering our lives? Somebody asked me one time, we were having a time of prayer at the base where God was just really moving. And they said, Terry, what what sparked all these changes at the base? What sparked all this change? You know, is it prayer? And I said, I would say out of prayer we've seen a lot of fruit. But I cannot say it was prayer. It was that Christ called us to pray. That's that's what I'm talking about, guys. God wants to get into the secret place and do those simple changes. I want to pray. Now I want to go to Haiti. The rats don't matter anymore. I don't understand why. I'm not afraid of spiders. 
Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and them. (laughs) Not that I've obtained all this or that I have been made perfect. You think you're sitting there waiting to find perfection before God can call you? You never have been perfect. None of us have been perfect. We all mess up. Not that I am perfect. That was Paul, my friend, the greatest missionary. They went everywhere, wrote most of the Bibles in the New Testament. Not that I've been, that I am perfect, but this one thing I do, forgetting, 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 forgetting. God has forgotten it. Why do you remember it? Forgetting, forgetting the past. I take hold of what Christ Jesus took hold of me. That's what God wants to do. Intimacy. God, in everything He does, He's trying to get us closer to Him in intimacy. Because in intimacy, we hear a simple word that confirms who we are. Confidence comes from God. When we hear God tell us, Tell me, Terry, you are who I chose for Hades. I can stand against a tax director. I can stand against corruption. I can go to a prison. I can, I, I can have a bullet shot at me, a gun pointed to my head. I can do it. Not because of me, but because he that is in me who called me, who said this is who you are. I've equipped you for this. You can do it. You can do it. Not because of anything special other than I created you for it. And then all of a sudden, passion comes. Any of you feel like a passion? Passion starts. I can do it. Man, God told me I'm supposed to take this high school. I'm going to take the high school. I'm going to do it. God told me I'm supposed to take the place where I'm working. God told me I'm supposed to go to Africa. How are you going to go to Africa? I don't care. God told me I'm going. That's where the miracle starts happening. That's where the passion comes up. That's where the zeal comes up. That's where faith begins to rise up. It's not of you. It's not of you. It is of God based on what He spoke to you. So, Let's pray. God, you're a great and awesome God. Nothing is impossible with you. Lord, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would be released. Ask God that you would just speak. Just be open to hear If God has a word for you this morning. I didn't come here to give you a word. God told me that. I didn't come here to give you a word. I came here to scratch up your heart so that he could speak in it.